0: Great, thanks for the invite tonight, and it would be helpful to have that passage uh, in front of you. It's uh, Luke 18, verses 9 to 14. So, one day, Jesus told this story, or parable, didn't he? Yes, two men went up to the temple to pray. And Jesus tells us right at the beginning, verse 9... Uh, why he tells this story, really important. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and looked down on everybody else, Jesus told this parable. So Jesus is having a go here at self-righteous religious people who put the emphasis upon their own performance, be it keeping the rules or performing the religious rituals, And how that makes them proud and makes them superior and they begin to look down on everyone else, all the other losers who don't perform quite as well as they do. Now let's meet these two people. Firstly, there's the Pharisee and then the tax collector. Now, those two individuals, you could not have two people further apart in society. It would be like having a bishop in the Church of England and a drug dealer going together to the temple. The Pharisees were known and revered for their morality and how they kept the Jewish law. Whereas tax collectors were utterly despised uh, because they were seen, one, as working for the Romans, who were despised, and two, as they collected taxes, they would cream off their take on the way. So they'd be ripping off their own people. So two very different people go together to the temple to pray. Let's look at how and what they pray. Firstly, the Pharisee, verse 11. The Pharisee stood up and he prayed about, or the footnote says, to himself. So the Pharisee stood up, presumably in full view of everybody else in the temple, because, of course, he wanted to be seen by other people. His prayer was a performance. And we're told that he prayed about or to himself. You see, the Pharisee wasn't talking to God, but to himself and about himself. The only subject of the Pharisee's prayer was him. And then listen to the prayer. God, I thank you that I am not like other men, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. You could almost imagine him at that point going, (laughs) at the thought of a tax collector in the temple. Unheard of. Then he reminds God that he fasts twice a week and gives a tenth of all he gets. So his prayer is simply this. It's a self-congratulatory sort of pat on the back that he is more moral than a few other uh, very easy comparisons from society. And he reminds God of his own religious rituals, his, his fasting and his giving. Now even though the Pharisee was in people's eyes deemed a, very, a man of God, this Pharisee didn't need God at all, as he makes no requests of God. You see, his faith is completely in himself, and his ability to keep the rules and perform the rituals. His religion was simply an outward show. There is no heart, there's no humility, and there's no honour to God. But the tax collector was very different, verse 13. But the tax collector stood at a distance. This was not a performance for him. He was ashamed, not before fellow man, but he was ashamed before God. He would not even look up to heaven, but he beat his breast and he said, God have mercy on me, a sinner. Even though the tax collector was in people's eyes a complete scumbag, This tax collector realised his need before God, a holy God, and he asks God for forgiveness. He's aware of his failings. You see, for him, there's heart, there's humility, and there's honour towards God. And then Jesus wraps up the story, doesn't he, in verse 14. I tell you the truth, that this man, the tax collector, rather than the other one, the Pharisee, went home justified or right with God. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. Now I began with that story, and thank you Maxwell for reading it, because it really sets us up for tonight's topic. And I'm going to be referring back to the story a few times by way of illustration. So the topic I was given tonight is how to be an effective prayerer think that's not an effective prayer, but how to be an effective prayer. And you only need to prepare a talk about prayer to kind of examine your own prayer life and, and, and just see how miserable it can be at times. So it's quite a challenge to speak tonight on this subject, and I'm by no means an expert, I can assure you. We're going to look at three things. So firstly, what is prayer? You may think that's pretty dumb first question, but I I think we need reminding of what prayer is. Secondly, what is effective prayer? And thirdly, how how are we effective prayers? So firstly, what is prayer? Now, on your tables, there were some sheets that I hoped you might have a a moment to look at just before the service began, but um, perhaps just shout out some of your answers. Yeah, what is prayer? Did any of you have have a think? Hands up if you... Got any ideas what prayer is? Billy? A way to talk to God. Nice. Good. Anyone else? Yep. Transforming friendship, shaping our inner and outer lives on cross. Right. That's, that's, a, that's a cracking definition. <laughs> yes, well done. Thank you. A transforming relationship, transforming our inner and outer Yes. Anyway. Good. Others? Anyone down here? Prayer? No? No? No more? Bill? A huge, we often a huge opportunity that we often forego. Lovely. Right. What is prayer? Now, this is a shock to the system. You may think it's an obvious answer, but when it comes to the scriptures... Um, What you see as you go through the scriptures is prayer is this. It is asking God for things. Okay? That's what prayer is according to the scriptures. It's asking God for things. It might be peace. It might be victory over our enemies. It may be daily provision for our needs. It could be freedom from anxiety. It could be gospel success. But at its core, prayer is simply that. It is asking God for things. Now, there's a lot of other things that we might include in our definition of prayer. We may say, well, there's praise, there's some sort of silent adoration, there's thanksgiving, there's confession, there might be meditation, reading the word, waiting on God, all of those things. Now, they may assist us in prayer, but those things in and of themselves are not prayer. Prayer is simply this, to ask God for things. It comes a little bit of a shock. It did to me as I was looking at it. And also, prayer is relational in that we're asking God for things. We're not praying to a rock or a tree or a statue because those are inanimate things that cannot hear and cannot respond. God is a person who hears and he responds to our prayers, our requests to him. And thirdly, prayer also involves words. It's not a silent meditation or some sort of contemplation, but neither is it just a sort of a babbling away of loads and loads of sort of religious mumbo-jumbo. Jesus warns against that, doesn't he, in the Sermon on the Mount when he says, and when you pray, do not keep on babbling like the pagans. They think they'll be heard because of their many words. So go back to our initial story that Jesus told. The Pharisee, he doesn't pray at all, does he? He doesn't ask God for anything. Whereas the tax collector does pray, doesn't he? Because he asks God for mercy. He knows he's a sinner and he asks for forgiveness. So, first thing we need to get clear in our heads is this. According to the Bible, prayer means asking God for things. So, if that's what we do, we're praying. If that's what we're not doing. We're not really praying. So what is effective prayer? So the second question on your sheets uh, on your tables was this: "What answers to prayer have you recently experienced? So anyone want quickly share an answer to prayer you recently had? Anyone got one? Courage Courage. God gave you some courage in a situation. Excellent. Anyone else? Answers to prayer? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Excellent. Anyone else? Answer to prayer? Well, a few weeks ago, um, our dog suddenly got uh, very ill. One day, Poppy was fine. The next day, she was throwing up. Now, for the next week, um, we were in and out of the vets. It was very painful to watch. Now, I'm sure some of you have been through that with... Family pets Now we prayed a lot, but you might say, well, what did you pray? What do you pray when your, your pet is ill? Well, this is what we were praying a lot through that week. It's from James chapter one. "If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. See, what we needed in that situation, which we were frankly had no control over, was wisdom to know what the right course of action would be. Sadly, unfortunately, our dog didn't survive, and we had to have her put down. It was very sad, but we believe God answered that prayer in giving us the the wisdom to know what to do in that situation. Now, in answering the second question, what is effective prayer, we're really thinking about what are the things I should be asking God for in the confidence that he will answer them. That's effective prayer, isn't it? If if prayer is asking God for things, effective prayer is surely knowing what to ask God for in order that that might be answered. Now, Psalm 37, verse 4, it's up there. It's a great verse, isn't it? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your hearts. Wow! Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, what are the desires of my heart? Well, one desire of my heart is that Man City would drop some points so Liverpool would win the Premiership. Unfortunately, that prayer was not answered today. Sorry if I've sport match of the day for any of you. I would love to wake up in the morning and find an Audi R8 outside our house in Ashford. And it would be great to own a Swiss mountain chalet. There's just a window into my sinful heart. I won't ask all of you to say the things that are on your heart, but is that what God is saying here? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, there's some Christians who think, yeah, that's exactly what it's about. Just name it and claim it. But unfortunately, that is not what the psalmist is saying here. The mistake we make is to miss the first part of that verse. Because that is the key. Delight yourself in the Lord. What does that mean? Well, it means get to know God. Get to know who he is, what he is like, what are his plans, what are his promises, what are his commands. And all of this we will discover as we feed on his word, the word of God, the truth, the Bible. That's how we'll discover what God is like. And then the second part really flows from that. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. You see, as I grow in my relationship with God through faith in Christ, empowered by the Spirit, then I'll learn what becomes it, what is important to God and those things will begin to become important to me. They'll become the desires of my heart. And those desires will, be, will then become the things that I begin to ask God for. Do you see how it is? We, the mistake we make with that verse is we, we turn it the wrong way around. Again, go back to the story we began with. The Pharisee's prayer, which wasn't really a prayer at all, was it? It was full of his own stuff because his life was about him. But the tax collector prayed about the problem of his sin and asked the Lord for mercy. And what did Jesus say in his wrap-up comments? This man went home justified before God. God delighted in answering his prayer because he is a merciful God who forgives our sin because it's been paid for once and for all time by his son. So one of the things someone shared, uh, an answer to prayer forgiveness. That is an absolute cast iron certain prayer to be answered by God. God forgives our sin when we confess that sin. The longer we hold on to it and think, oh no, I can't possibly bring back that before God. We're not effectively praying. But as soon as we say, Lord, please forgive me, for my sin, that, that is done. It's a done deal. He's the one who went home justified. So knowing God's promises, his commands, his plans from his word is vital for effective prayer, knowing what God is like will shape how we and what we pray for. But what about the situations like we found ourselves in a few weeks ago with our dog? What about if I'm facing, a, you know, 24 GCSE exams in the next month or so? What if I'm in a relationship that's gone pear-shaped? You know, can I bring those things to God or is he just about the high-level sort of religious, spiritual stuff? Well, I love what Jesus writes in Matthew. It says in Matthew 10. It's up there, but not printed out. This is what he says. Are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father. And even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. So don't be afraid you are worth more than many sparrows. Jesus is here telling us to um, that God is concerned about every aspect of our lives. There is nothing we face that is so small and insignificant in our eyes that we, we can't bring to God in prayer. There's nothing at all we can't bring to God in prayer and ask him for his help. He looks after the sparrow. He number, knows the number of hairs on our head. We're valuable to him. And then elsewhere, uh, we read in, in Philippians Don't be anxious about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God which transcends all our understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. See, what we're doing when we're praying, we're handing over that anxious situation to God, is we're handing it over to the one who's in charge of the entire universe, the world we live in, the Brexit process, every single one of our lives. He's in charge, he's in control, we're handing it over to him. The situation may not change massively, but what we're doing is... We're, if you like, changing ourselves. We're saying, you're the one who's in control and I'm trusting you in this situation. So we've seen what prayer is. Prayer is asking God for things. We've seen what effective prayer is. It is, it is knowing God and it's knowing his promises, his commands, his plans, knowing what he's like, and praying according to that and not being afraid to take anything we might be wrestling with and battling with to him in prayer. We can be sure he will answer those prayers. Thirdly, I suppose quite practically now, how can we be effective prayers? Knowing what effective prayer is, is one thing, but being an effective prayer uh, is another, isn't it? Now, I'm going to give one warning and then six things we can do. Uh, It's not exhaustive by any means. Firstly, the warning. Now, effective prayer is built upon a relationship we have with God. And it's not based upon techniques. The Bible says nothing at all about the posture we are to employ when it comes to prayer. I know you might have heard, well, hands together, eyes shut, or got to be kneeling, or whatever. The the Bible says nothing about any of that. Um, The Bible doesn't specify how often we pray or where we pray. There are no set forms of words or formulas in the Bible that we've got to repeat. There are no techniques taught in the Bible to get us in the mood for prayer. So be wary of people who suggest you certain things have to be performed when it comes to effective prayer. Now several years ago, probably around... um, 2000, 2001, 2. This little book came out. It was called The Prayer of Jabez. Do any of you remember The Prayer of Jabez? Yes, you remember it? Right. Now, this this book came out. There's there's one verse in a book in the Old Testament, 1 Chronicles, and it says this. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, "Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory... Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm, so that I will be free from pain. One verse in 1 Chronicles chapter 4. Now that one verse became a book and virtually a whole ministry. And loads and loads of Christians took the prayer of Jabez, Jabez as like their, this is it. This is the the silver bullet for prayer. This is like a multivitamin tablet I take every morning. I pray the prayer of Jabez, and God's assuring me my territory is going to enlarge, I'm going to be fit, well, prosperous, and everything else. Who wouldn't want all of that? Problem. It's just a technique. You don't hear much about the prayer of Jabez anymore. It blew in and it blew out. There was the Bethel Prayer Tunnel. Oh, if you want prayer, if you want, you know, effective prayer, you've got to have the, you've got to copy the Bethel prayer tunnel. Again, it's a technique. Um, What about the uh, Paul Yongi Cho out in South Korea? Oh, we, we need a prayer mountain. You know, that's why great things are happening. Now, great things do happen when we pray, but as soon as we've sort of isolated, here's the technique, here's the thing we've got to replicate. Big mistake. Massive mistake. Let's look at six things that effective prayer is. Firstly, to Nick Nike's slogan, first thing of being an effective prayer is to just do it. Get on with it. Pray. Paul says to the Colossians, devote yourselves to prayer. Prayer is an act of obedience to God, and indeed it's a source of blessing from God. When we pray, we don't put God in debt to us. It's not like, you know... I've prayed, now you owe me one God. But what prayer does is is it reflects our dependence upon him. So if it's not your habit to have a quiet time at some point in the day, may I encourage you to do so young and old? It's a great source of blessing, a time when you can read the scriptures and you can pray. And perhaps even keep a record of what you're praying about and who you're praying for. Because then as you see answers, it's a huge encouragement. So first thing about effective prayers is is they do it. They get on with it. Secondly, an effective prayer is someone who trusts the Lord. If a person rarely prays, you'd have to question whether they have a genuine faith in God. See, when we're praying, what we're doing is we are showing we are dependent upon you, Lord. We are relying upon you to do something that we cannot do ourselves. Someone described it as audible faith. We're showing clearly we're trusting God. In our story, the tax collector, he had faith, didn't he? Because he was dependent upon God to act to forgive his sins, which, of course, God did. So thirdly, an effective prayer is someone who believes the gospel. Let me just read a couple of verses from Hebrews. We read this in chapter 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place, that is God's presence, by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, through Christ's death on the cross, he has made it possible for us as sinners to come into the presence of a holy God And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith. So when we pray, when we come into God's presence through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, what we're doing is is we're reminding ourselves over and over again of the truth of the gospel. Now, in our story, the Pharisee did not believe the gospel because he trusted it was by his actions that he was made right with God and gave him access to God, which is not true. It's a lie. He was blind to his own sin and unresponsive to his need of Jesus. Whereas the tax collector, he knew, didn't he, he needed a savior. And he asked God for mercy. Fourthly, an effective prayer is someone who is thankful to God. Paul writes to the Thessalonians, Be joyful, always pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Now, thankfulness alone is not doesn't just constitute prayer, but thankfulness as a part of prayer is vital, isn't it? Practice I get it, that I've been in for a long time, is when I have a quiet time, I usually begin by just, just writing out some of the things, that I've, ways in which I've seen God act, perhaps in the day before or in the days before, just reminding myself of just how great God is, how generous God is, how he does answer prayer, because that is a great stimulus then to pray, isn't it? And you know how great and generous our God is. So be thankful. A, 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 an effective prayer is someone who is thankful. Fifthly, An effective prayer is someone who learns from the prayers of the Bible. I said earlier, there's no set formulas um, or mantras in the Bible to pray, but there are prayers in the Bible, not least the Lord's Prayer, that provide a wonderful model for us to guide us and help us as we pray. There's loads of great prayers in the Bible. One of my favourite prayers, and I've revisited it a couple of times recently, is, is when Jonah's in the belly of the fish. You know that prayer in Jonah chapter 2? He's in a desperate situation. You know that he's, he's facing Sheol, he's facing certain demise, and yet he looks to the temple, he looks to God in his, in his despair. Isn't that a great prayer for when we're in a real fix and we're in a mess? To be reminded our God delights in hearing the prayers of his people. So, remind yourself, look at the great prayers of the Bible. And uh, lastly, uh, effective prayers a prayer is someone who is prepared to fight. Now, I don't mean fisticuffs, but I mean someone who is prepared to tackle the enemies to prayer. And we've, we, we face three enemies essentially to prayer. The first enemy is ourselves. It will come as no surprise to any of us that most of us in this room don't leap out of bed at 5am without the alarm going, thinking, right, fantastic, I can't wait to spend two hours now in the word and in prayer before the rest of the family get up. Hands up if that's your practice. (coughs) The flesh is weak. You know, lying in bed thinking, oh, I know I should get up. I know I should, but oh, just a few more minutes, I'll, I'll wait for the snooze to go once more. So, the, the flesh is weak. So, we have to fight the flesh when it comes to prayer. We have to fight the world as well, because the world out there wants to simply mold and shape each and every one of us to its values and uh, that we dance to its tune. Whereas God wants us to trust Him and to build our lives on Christ. That requires a fight. And the last enemy, of course, is Satan. He doesn't want us to pray. He didn't want that tax collector to go to the temple that day, or even though it's a story, but, uh, and he certainly didn't want that tax collector to ask God for mercy for his sin, because he thinks, oh, he's doing what I know he should do, but I don't want him to do that, because as long as we hold on to our sin, we stay in a wretched condition. Blow it! He's done exactly what I didn't want him to do. So Satan doesn't want us to pray. We have to fight him. So effective prayers, we do it, we trust the Lord, we believe the gospel, we're thankful, we we learn from scriptures about prayer, and we fight. I watched a documentary a couple of nights ago um, about Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He was a great 20th century British preacher, and someone commented that the doctor, as he was referred to, he once said this, and it was a very memorable quote, He says, I don't believe in prayer. That suddenly got you thinking. He says, I believe in God, and that's why I pray. I don't believe in prayer. I believe in God, and that's why I pray. And that really sums it up, doesn't it? If we put our faith in our own efforts, we're just like the Pharisee. We won't pray. We see no need to pray because we're trusting what we do. But if we believe in God, we're like the tax collector. We will pray because we will realize our utter dependence upon God to act. Let me pray and then hand over to Tori. Dear Lord, we thank you for this great story that Jesus told, Lord. uh, We probably see ourselves in both the Pharisee some days, and the tax collector other days. Lord, please help us, I pray, to realize just how great you are, how generous you are as our Heavenly Father, how you delight in giving good gifts to your children. Thank you for those prayers that we've prayed, asking for things that would not have been helpful to us. And thank you, Lord, for those struggles and times of suffering that you've allowed us to go through that we did not request that have only made us more thankful and dependent upon you so please lord i pray may we be a people who delight in you and may the desire desires of our hearts reflect that and it's in christ's name we pray amen